join may the blessing almighty god be in your heart and on your lips you might worthily proclaim the gospel the father and the son and the holy spirit Your spirit. Yes. 
Thanks be to God. You can blow out your candles now if you wish. Before before we burn something. <laughs> you know, it's a great blessing that we have eyes. You know, blessed are those who have eyes and can see. It's something we don't have to convince anybody of, you know, how wonderful it is that we have these, these two beautiful things in front of our faces that are kind of like great windows that allow us to, to see out in the universe beyond us and, you know, the colors of the day, the reds of the sunset, the greens of the leaves, the blue of the sky, you know, even the stars in the night sky, to be able to see all that and take it in, you know, nobody has to convince us that that's a huge, wonderful great blessing that we can see, that we have eyes and that we are blessed to be able to see. You know, and, and seeing, we know from our experience as human beings is more than just, you know, the optical thing of light entering through a lens and hitting, you know, cones in the back of our retina and then optical nerves carrying it up into our brain somewhere. We know from life that the seeing that is really a blessing is, is something still richer than that. It's connected to it, but it's, it's something deeper. And we experience that, for example, when a, a, a mother holds her newborn child to her breast for the first time and, and sees not just a, a wrinkly little bundle of skin there, but sees a new being, a new creature, a new human being, a new, a new person and the love and the light and the grace of that moment is beyond words, that kind of seeing. Or, or the kind of seeing when a young couple stands right about here, turns towards each other, holds one another's hands and says those remarkable and brave words, I take you as my husband, I take you as my wife, through thick and thin, through through good and bad, through sickness and in health until death do we part. And they look at each other and they don't just see a body there. They don't just see flesh. They don't just see, you know, bones. They see the person that they really are. And, and they're seen in that moment of deep seeing of the truth of the other person and the truth of their communion together is the kind of seeing that is richer even than what we can do with our eyes. And it's precisely that kind of seeing also that we experience in this beautiful story on the Feast of the Presentation of Simeon, old Simeon, and even older Anna, you know, who are habitués of the temple who kind of live in this darkness of the temple, the kind of citizens of this holy place who have spent virtually their whole lives in prayer and who see something remarkable at the end of those lives, who have eyes to see that in this one child among thousands and thousands of children that are brought into that temple for consecrating to God, 
that this one child, this one child in the arms of his mother, protected by his father, is the one, is the one given to us by God, the one who carries within himself the promise and the fulfillment of God's promises, the one who has within him his very self the Spirit of God in its fullness. Anna and Simeon have eyes to see, not only these kinds of eyes, but those eyes that are somehow connected to mind and heart and spirit and soul that are nurtured through a lifetime of prayer to see in the dark, to see God even in the dark of that temple, even in the dark of their lives, even in the dark of human history. Where did they get this ability to see? Because because in this story, there's no star hanging above the the manger in Bethlehem to guide them like it did the the three wise men. And there's no angels singing choruses of hallelujahs and hosannas like there were for the shepherds. And there's no Gabriel like there was for Joseph and Mary to say this child is something special. So where did they get their ability to see and recognize and understand just who this particular child among all the children was? Well, it's easy to say, well, of course they got it from their life of prayer. You know, they dedicated, the two of them, they dedicated their lives to prayer. You know, they spent day and night in the temple and they fasted and they prayed. Yes, of course. But, but a lot of people pray. And they stand out because, you know, the high priest prayed. And we know from the rest of the story that he didn't see Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't see the truth of Jesus' godness, nor did the Sadducees or the Pharisees, or in many ways even Jesus' own apostles. Took them a long time to figure out who Jesus really was. So what was there in the prayer of Simeon and Anna that allowed them to see and to understand and to recognize, to have that deeper vision that comes from the seeing of the heart and the spirit and the soul. Well, there's hints about that in the story itself. Simeon, obviously, is someone who has a deeper vision than just his own needs. He's one who is deeply, deeply ensconced in the history of Israel, as Anna is herself, as a prophetess. They are not people who at the end of their lives are still like young kids saying, well, what about me, God? You know, God, I've got this need and I've got that need and why aren't you hearing my prayers and da-da-da-da-da-da-da? Instead, they have this remarkable trust that God will in the long run fulfill his promises to Israel. That it might not be now, it might not be tomorrow, it might be years anon before he does, but in God's own good time, they trust. They trust God will fulfill his promises to his people. And it doesn't matter if King Herod is somebody that is hateful and spiteful and mean and cruel. This this king who is supposed to be the, the, the new King David 
who is an awful king. And it doesn't matter that the high priest is corrupt. It doesn't matter that the Romans are oppressing their people. It doesn't matter. Well, all of that matters in a way. But there's a deeper reality and a greater truth that they are tuned into as people who have lived long lives and seen everything. They understand that even with all of the human evil and all of the darkness that abounds in this life and this world and this history of ours as human beings, God still is in charge. God still has this in his hands. And God's will sooner or later, probably later, will be done. That beautiful expression that's been around for the last 20 or 30 years. You know, the arc of history bends towards justice. They would rewrite that saying or re-speak that saying to say the arc of history is bent by God towards justice, towards righteousness, towards the kingdom of God. Sooner or later, God will have his way with us in spite of our evil, in spite of our sin, in spite of our darkness. And it's that trust and it's corollary hope that informs the spirit of these two people and allows their eyes to see in the dark, to see beyond the moment, to see beyond the crisis, to see beyond the darkness, to see even in a way beyond the grave, that God is at work among us. And yes, God will fulfill his promises to Israel and to them and to our world. And it's precisely that kind of prayer nurtured over a lifetime, the kind of prayer that maybe only old people are, are privileged to attain after years and years of striving to pray well, that allows old Simeon to see and to hold that child in his arms and say, now, Master, now, Master, you can let me die. Go ahead, I am done. I have seen your promise fulfilled in this child. I have seen with my own eyes the eyes you gave me, the eyes that have been trained to see in the dark your light, your presence, your grace. I have seen now the fulfillment of your promise to Israel. I have seen you. I have seen you, God, in this baby of 40 days that is about to be consecrated back to you. The light of the nations, the glory of the people of Israel. What a magnificent prayer. And in a sense, it's the prayer we all aspire to. Because we too have those same kind of eyes, not just the eyes in our face, but the eyes that connect our hearts and our minds and our spirits, the guides, eyes that allow us too to see God here in our world, in our history, in, in our lives. And it's what inspires us to pray with Simeon and with Anna, with Mary, with Joseph, eventually even with the apostles, in a way with all of the church, all who see and believe that this child, this Jesus, 
This Jesus who we too meet in our own temple of spirit and life, here in this temple, in the temple of history, fulfills the promises of God to us and allows us to know that the arc of history bends by God's will to his will and the promises God makes to us are fulfilled in him. In him we too know God. We know God's face. We know God's voice. We know God's touch. We know God's mercy and compassion. We know God's grace. Blessed are those who have eyes to see and who see God.